0: Hi everyone, welcome to Entain Voices, a podcast series that speaks to influential and inspiring people both within Entain and its partners by highlighting some of the great work that they're doing around the world. My name is Sophie Platts and I'm the Head of External Affairs and Safer Gambling here at Intain. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by none other than Tariqa Barrett today, the CEO of Girls Who Code and a passionate advocate for closing the gender gap for women in technology through education. Uh, Recently named as AM New York's Power Women list and a LinkedIn top voice for social impact, Tarika is one of the most influential driving forces for representation of women in STEM. In addition, Tarika is the recipient of the New York City Bar Association Huntington Banks Her Hero Lifetime Achievement Award and was also named as one of Crane's 50 Most Powerful Women in New York in 2021. And with that introduction, Tarika, welcome to Entain Voices. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us today.
1: Thank you so much, Sophie. That was quite the introduction. I am really grateful to be here with you.
0: You are more than welcome and all true, absolutely. Um, So for those viewers and listeners that that don't already know you, can you tell me a little bit about who you are and a bit about your background and career to date? Sure. Thank you
1: for that question. Um, Such a great opportunity to talk to your audience. I'll start by just sharing. You know, I'm Tarika Barrett, and I am so proud to be the CEO of Girls Who Code, one of the largest girls' organizations on the planet, we're an international nonprofit organization, as you mentioned, working to close a gender gap in new entry level tech jobs by 2030. We're leading the movement to inspire, educate and equip students who identify as girls or non-binary with the computing skills needed to pursue 21st century opportunities. Um, in the way of background, I guess I'll share that first and foremost, I come to the space as an educator and an activist who's actually fought on issues of equity and education for nearly my entire career. And, you know, I was really fortunate to have a mom who taught me not just about the power of education, but always to go into spaces to see the kind of work that was necessary, but wasn't necessarily getting done. And frankly, having the belief that I could be the change that I wanted to see. And, you know, one of the things that was really critical in my background is that I actually had a chance to work at the New York City Department of Education where you know you you hear all these lessons growing up and I actually got to put them into practice. I got a chance to work with kids who frankly many people had written off. They were significantly behind academically with no shot of graduating on time. And most of them were poor black and brown kids who looked a lot like me when I was their age. And you know, I had this incredible opportunity. I had a chance to lead the team that would design and launch a first of its kind like high school focused on software engineering. It was going to be a part of the then mayor's plan to make New York City a tech hub. But what was interesting about this opportunity, it quickly became very clear to me who this potential new school was intended for. It was going to be potentially what we call a quote unquote screen school. Which means that kids would have to test in in order to be accepted. Now, you know, as an educator, this was an inflection point for me. I knew that relying solely on test scores would put kids of color at a disadvantage. And Sophie, there are a lot of reasons for this. You know, poverty, disinvestment in low-income neighborhoods, racial bias in testing. So even though I knew that it risked turning off some of our key stakeholders, this mashup of venture capitalists and local tech entrepreneurs. I fought against screening and rallied support for our decision to open the school to any student interested in programming. And I'm proud to say that today, any teen in New York City interested in learning computer science has a shot at attending the Academy for Software Engineering. And for the students who were there, 95% of them are graduating on time. And you know, when I reflect on this experience as a part of my background, helping to get that school off the ground was one of my proudest accomplishments as an educator, but it was also this critical lesson that you always have to exist somehow at the intersection of bravery and opportunity. And that if you're given a shot to disrupt the status quo, you have to take it. And I know that that experience is what led me to my job here as CEO of Girls Who Code and what continues to drive me to this cause. And you know, since launching in 2012, this year is actually our 10-year anniversary. Girls of Code has reached 500,000 students. You know, and of that group, nearly 115,000 of them are college and workforce-aged. You know, young women and non-binary students. And you know, by addressing this growing gender gap in tech, we know that we are empowering our young people to seek out the exciting, thriving careers of the future. These are the ones that are going to offer them. The improved quality of life and upward mobility that a career in tech can offer. Uh,
0: wow, amazing introduction there! Um, I uh, well, lots lots of inspiration, and I suppose there's, um, you know, it's great to hear what inspired you and what kind of. Um, deterred you um, to d- made you determined. Sorry to to go forward and and do a lot of those things and incredible achievements. Uh, you mentioned there the anniversary, which I will drop back into later. But <laughs> but speaking about that inspiration and that kind of early. Um, you know the early inspiration that got you involved. Um, many people will have you know different things that have inspired them and different role models. And and I'm sure you know speaking to yourself today that you'll be you'll be one for many people too. Um, but did you have a role model? Um, I know you mentioned your mum, but did you have a role model growing up? And and what part do you think role models play in in closing that tech gender gap? Do you think they're an important thing? Do you think they matter?
1: Yeah, no, I think that role models play a critical role. And I'll start by just answering sort of who that's been for me. So, you know, um, my mom was the first in our family to go to college and to get a graduate degree. And her mother, my grandmother actually had to drop out of school, you know, somewhere around the sixth grade to help take care of her, you know, seven younger siblings by working on the family farm. And, you know, so much of their story, you know, I am the proud daughter of immigrants and I grew up somewhere between (laughs) Brooklyn, New York and Kingston, Jamaica. And so much of what my mom and my grandmother instilled in me had to do with the power of education. And when I thought about, you know, even when I was in college, taking that hour long bus ride from the housing project where I lived with my grandmother, to the campus of Brooklyn College where I went to school with other working class kids who were also the first in their families to go to college, Um, kids who were just like me. And we just, we had no idea what simply walking through those doors meant to so many of our families. And so I think we all have these very powerful salient role models around us, sometimes within our own families or beyond. And, you know, stepping back a bit at Girls Who Code, We often have a saying that we use, which is that you can't be what you can't see. Having more representation of women and people of color in tech can be the difference we need to empower this pipeline of girls to pursue future tech careers. And so, you know, having role models representative of the students pursuing tech, you know, in their studies or the careers is always critical. And if you think about it, our little girls especially you know, before they're even double digits, before they're even 10 years old, have internalized these touchstones around what a computer scientist looks like and does. And these internalized beliefs like resonate with them throughout their entire lives, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, and even into the workforce. Um, And so we really have been fed so many examples of male role models, right? The Bill Gates, the Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, But what about Katherine Johnson and Mary Jackson, the two black female mathematicians who, you know, helped to put America's space program on the map or Ada Lovelace or Grace Hopper or Jean Bartik? There are so many incredible female pioneers in tech who have shaped the industry, you know, the sector as we know it today. And so my hope is that, you know, when I think of examples like these hidden figures and you know the commemoration of these women in that film, I know that if we continue to show more diverse examples of what a person in STEM can look like, we're going to open up that door for that next generation of girls to walk through as themselves. And so, you know, I have my own personal role models, but also recognize that so much of what we do at Girls Who Code is making sure that we put these women and these stories in front of our young people so that, you know, those stories really, you know, energize and propel them forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know from my own experience, having role models gives you the confidence to to go and do things and, you know, try things or, and then you may end up finding something that you love and want to stay in. So um, it's such an important thing and absolutely you need to push those out there, I guess, to to let people see that. Um, Absolutely. So you've been uh you've been CEO now for a couple of years, is that correct? Uh, no, it's actually oh.
1: just over a year, but it feels Sorry. like it could be a couple of years. I've been with the organization over six years, but I'm glad that it felt that way to you.
0: <laughs> so I was going to say in the second year then we'll go with <laughs> but um but you've been so you've been with Girls Who Code uh, over six years. But yes. second, as as CEO, what is um what is your proudest achievement in the time that you've been at Girls Who Code?
1: Yeah, such a great question. So I you know, became CEO in April of 2020, you know, at the height of the pandemic and at a moment when our students need us the most. And sometimes I say to myself, what made me say yes <laughs> to this leadership position during that time? Was I in my right mind? But the truth is, the pandemic exacerbated so many of the challenges that we've been working on at Girls Who Code for nearly a decade. And it revealed these massive gaps in education for low income and Black and Brown students. And if you recognize that more than half of our students at Girls Who Code come from historically underrepresented groups, young people who look like me, who grew up just like me, it became even more critical for us as an organization to step up. And this is a moment, especially for me as CEO, to ensure that many of our girls who are already underserved and written off wouldn't fall even further behind and that we'd go one step further, that maybe we could actually find ways to have them thrive during this impossible time. And that very much became my focus, you know, in my current role and our focus as an organization, making sure that every single program that we create is accessible to every student we're trying to reach regardless of their background. And, you know, what I'm most proud of Sophie is that when the pandemic hit, we immediately listened to our community to learn what they needed most. So we surveyed our girls and non-binary students and our alums and what we got back from them, right? Coupled with, you know, best practices around digital learning became the bedrock, the foundation of our virtual programming. And for us, it was critical to prioritize accessibility and flexibility, live and asynchronous instruction, small group work and project-based learning. And what I'm so proud of is that this quick pivot that we embraced actually worked. Enrollment in our flagship summer immersion program jumped by more than 200%. And we actually reached more students from poor and rural parts of the country, which was just outstanding. And, you know, we didn't stop there. We thought about the adults supporting our young people in these free after-school clubs, for example and we supported our facilitator community, making sure they had everything that they needed to run these clubs virtually or in person or in a hybrid way. And, you know, it's been wonderful to see that what we've been able to accomplish has supported, you know, some of our most marginalized students in thriving under more flexible virtual learning environments. And so we're not even gonna go fully back to an in-person model because we think that what we've come up with is really strong, especially for students who have been historically left behind. And, you know, during this period, we increase the number of students served from 450,000 to 500,000. And our alumni base, you know, those numbers increased from 90,000 to 115,000. And the last point I'll make on this, because again, you asked me to show off around what we're most proud of. And for me, it was also recognizing when we have to step up as an organization. The pandemic brought havoc to the country's workforce. And we knew as we grew as an organization and had this 115,000 strong group of college and workforce age young women, we needed to know that they were gonna be okay. They had worked so hard and were on the verge of losing so much of the momentum, right? That they had gained on their path to, you know, thriving tech careers. And what we learned from these surveys was that 30% of our college-age alums had had an internship or job offer rescinded, and 40% of our seniors were still looking for work. We knew that this was a group that was brave and resilient and dynamic and talented, but they also, you know, 20-25% of them had caregiving responsibilities. And, you know, that same, roughly that same percentage had parents who lost the job. And instead of kind of just sitting there, Girls Who Code stepped up and we piloted new programs like our hiring summit. We offered two of those during the pandemic, serving over 2,000 students. We had one partner, for example, that managed to hire 17 young women from one of these summits alone. And that might feel like a small drop in the bucket, but it meant everything to those young women. And so, you know, so much of what I'm proud of is that our new programming provides access and opportunities to young women, you know, who top companies might not have otherwise considered, and is absolutely shifting and changing the conversation about who belongs in the tech industry. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, we are... um...
0: We're very proud to to obviously work with Girls Who Code and and you mentioned the hiring summits um, and Tane have been been proud to also be part of those as well. So um, what a great great initiative. Um, But uh, but speaking about, obviously, we're very proud of the the Girls Who Code partnership um, now in its second year. Um, But why did Girls Who Code choose Entain as a partner to drive this change and to to allow us to also be part of the Girls Who Code mission?
1: Yeah, thank you, Sophie, for that question. Our partners are such a critical piece of everything that we do at Girls Who Code. You know, you are at these companies that we know that our young people are going to contribute meaningfully to, that they're going to be leaders within. And even, Sophie, as you mentioned, the upcoming hiring summit, We're grateful that you see that as another opportunity to, you know, gain access to talent, um, you know, frankly, that a lot of companies would otherwise not fully consider. And, you know, Entain has committed to the Entain Foundation to promote safety and education and gaming and to increase technology diversity. A diverse tech workforce where our most marginalized students are prioritized is at the root of the work we do every day. And that's why it makes so much sense to be partnered with a company like Intain because you share those values.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is um, great to hear. And obviously, so many shared values uh, that we can collaborate on when trying to trying to address these challenges. Um, so fi- I'm going to ask a final question now because I, I'm, I'm aware that we're running out of time. I'm being told so. But uh, <laughs> as, a, as a female leader in, in STEM, Um, What do you think needs to happen to drive change with regards to female representation in technology? You know, how how do we get there?
1: Yeah, and Sophie, you kind of spoke to this just in mentioning, you know, Entain's role, you know, regarding the upcoming hiring summit and just the fact that this is an area of focus for your company. I talk about this every opportunity that I can. We have to encourage tech companies to stop relying on traditional hiring practices which often offer a really narrow and privileged perspective of success, shutting out historically marginalized students. And we know that the result is that we don't bring the much needed diversity to tech companies that we so desperately need. I mentioned that more than half the students in our Girls Who Code community come from historically underrepresented groups. These are young women who are motivated, ready to learn, but don't always have the same opportunities or resources. Certainly they do not have the networks. And you know, their circumstances might cause them to be working multiple jobs while carrying a full college course workload. They're balancing homework and caregiving, you know, sometimes without access to the resources they need to succeed. What you know we see who they are they embody bravery and resilience the qualities critical to all companies that they desperately need but the ones that aren't always reflected in conventional academic credentials that these tech firms overwhelmingly rely on and you know for many prospective students this can be discouraging computer science is one of the fastest growing professions in the country we know it's expected to grow 11% by 2029 And we're going to add a half a million new jobs to our economy. And I know this to be true. We cannot afford to leave a single ounce of tech talent on the proverbial table. And the second thing, Sophie, is that we need companies to also look internally and address the punishing work culture in tech, often rooted in systemic racism and sexism, which can be alienating to young women and especially young men of color once they get that first job in the tech industry. One thing that we know to be true, based on research that we've done, is that half of women in tech roles end up leaving by the age of 35. And they cite an inhospitable work environment. And Girls Who Code did another study in 2019, showing that half of the young women applying for tech internships had either had a negative experience themselves or knew someone who did. And they cited experiences that ranged from sexist and racist comments to a lack of representation and in some cases, blatant harassment. And, you know, what's hard to even fathom is that some of these young women went through five to 10 rounds of interviews without ever seeing a woman or a woman of color. And if we think about it, a lack of retention of this scale paired with a failure to attract diverse tech talent, we know is going to continue to fuel that gender gap. Um, So, you know, Those are two big issues, and that's why at Girls Who Code, we're doing everything we can to provide our students with the tools and the resources to succeed within their communities and the workforce. And I'm so proud that we just launched our technical interview prep program in partnership with Boston Consulting Group. And we know, I don't have to tell you this, Sophie, technical interviews are a core component of the hiring process for so many entry-level positions in tech and you know despite their difficulty most higher education institutions don't offer any specific training to prepare students for the process and if you think about it and you understand that our students are among the most marginalized they don't have the social capital or the networks to gain these you know this insider access to what that involves and so this technical interview prep program is going to give students the resources and tools that they need to help level the playing field and another quick thing I'll mention is that we also launched our leadership academy program, and you know it's a semester-long program with over a hundred U.S. college students, and you know they get to join Girls Who Code advisors and mentors to build their leadership and technical and professional skills while growing their networks of peers studying in STEM fields, and so you know when you think about all these reasons for the gender gap in tech, and they seem abstract. I promise you the solutions could not be more concrete. If we give our girls and young women and non-binary students opportunities and tools they need to develop their skills, if we provide them with access to mentors and role models who get them excited about a career in tech, and if we continue to challenge you know, tech organizations to hold themselves accountable when it comes to their hiring and work practices, if we do these things, I guarantee we're going to start to see the gender gap close. Yeah, well, I, I definitely hope that
0: some are listening today and have been inspired to go and get involved or join one of the summits or find out a bit more because you're absolutely right. And it's something that we all want to see, once to see come to fruition over the over the coming years ahead and. Um, Tarika, thank you so much. We've uh, we've unfortunately run out of time. Um, but but thank you for sharing your perspectives. Um and like I say, I hope there are many listening round around the world and you've given us plenty of food for thought on how we can continue on this this journey to narrow the gender gap in technology. Um Thank you for those that are listening, for tuning in to this episode of Entain Voices. If you'd like to hear more about this series, you can find Entain Voices on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And for more information about Entain Sustain, the global Entain ESG conference, you can find all the information you need on the latest Entain Engage via our website. So just to say thank you very much to Tarika again for joining us and thank you for those that are listening as well.
1: Thank you so much, Sophie. It was truly a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Tarika.